Welcome everyone to WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. We are back for a very special episode of this podcast because we are going to be talking about Ring of Honor's final battle, the end of an era. And this time when I say we is because I have a special guest lined up for this conversation. Someone that I know and trust knows Ring of Honor left and right, up and down and all the way to the middle and let's let's get to it i am here joined by my fellow uh article writer from the wrestling revolution uh big red machine also known as red how are you doing man i'm doing good um sad sad topic in a lot of ways but doing good this there was a reason we waited and that's because i needed a week to process a lot of this (laughs) yes indeed uh we are talking about final battle the end of an era uh, and I specifically wanted to talk to you because you are the person who was there pretty much from the era of Honor Begins all the way to the end of the era. Uh, not, actually not. I, I picked up in 08, basically, or early 08. I first really heard about ROH uh, in the, the buzz from Man Up and the Ladder War and the post-match angle. But I've filled in everything back and, like, I literally read the message board from as early as I could the whole way just to learn everything I could. So yeah. I'm, you can say that, but I, full disclosure, I started paying attention to them really in, like, early 08. So. Well, you, well, you did retrospectively go back, and I think you've reviewed most of the shows of the whole history of Ring of Honor. Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple I haven't seen yet, but um, yes. now that there's no more new ones, I have some time. <laughs> I actually, uh, I, I've been thinking about selling my DVD collection of Ring of Honor just because everything has gone digital. And I figure, oh, let me see if Red has any missing DVDs that maybe I have. I looked through your list. No, <laughs> you have every, almost every single DVD out there of yep. Ring of and Honor. Especially that is... since, since Honor Club started, I haven't. Although I did get the, I did just buy one last. I bought the best of 2010 set or 20. 20- damn 2021 or 2019 set wow this is going yeah. good <laughs> um but yeah i actually have some to sell including some older stuff like driven 07 so if anybody is interested in tradition continues even if people are interested join the forum and send me a direct message yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so we are going to be talking about the final battle the end of an era this uh i think it was october when they announced that Ring of Honor was going to go into pretty much a hiatus, uh, they're going to be reimagining, quote unquote, uh, with a teased date to return in April. Obviously, we haven't heard really anything from what's going to happen. Uh, Joe Koff has done a couple of, uh, I guess, interviews, and he hasn't really said anything. So we came into the show, I guess, with a a bit of a nostalgia, something like that, where you feel like you're watching the end of like one of your favorite promotions, but also at the same time, you are trying to follow the stories leading up to the show and potentially coming out of this show. And so overall, without going into much details, what did you think of the show? Uh, for the most part, I liked it. It 
if it's the last show, it was an appropriate send-off in terms of in-ring quality. And that's, in some ways, that's what's important, you know, for, for Ring of Honor. Story, they, they wrapped things up in the... Some stuff got wrapped up in a neat way, you know, and that, that was also a point to Ring of Honor. But when people think Ring of Honor, they think work rate, and that was definitely present here. Yeah, I would totally agree. I I, I, I felt kind of like uh, in the middle because... It felt like the like a perfect show to like just finish the chapter, but at the same time, there were some matches. Um, like for instance, just to name one, like Roxy versus Willow, and I was like, I don't know if Willow is the end of a chapter type of challenger, and and I felt that from a couple of the matches, and we're gonna go over the matches like in a little bit, but that was like where I was like kind of like struggling as I watched the show. It kind of felt like. I'm trying to get into this end of the chapter thing, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know if I care about this particular wrestler or not. Yeah, there was a lot of that. I think a lot of the decisions that were made were based on whether or not they think people are going to be able to come back. Yeah. Um, and my, just from what I've seen afterwards, Willow sounds, I mean, she seems like someone that they really hope will come back. And so they wanted to give her, you know, the spotlight. I guess I will say, yeah, um, yeah. There, there was a lot of sort of balancing going on between trying to wrap things up while also leaving things open and you know even teasing things. So yeah, that I thought they did a good job balancing that, though. I will say, yeah, I, I would agree, and I and I think it's like someone with Willow. I think it's someone worth like letting them have a good showing with like like you said with the hopes that they will come back and and just be part of the promotion whatever happens next so uh i i did not watch the hour one the pre-show uh quickly the righteous defeated shane taylor promotions to win the trios titles we had a Miranda Alice and the Allure, which is uh, Angelina Love and Mandy Leon defeated Chelsea Green and, and the Hex, which are which is Elsin K and Marty Bell from NWA. And then we have the promoted ten person match, which ended up being everyone who's left in the roster that didn't get a match: Flip Gordon, PJ Black, the Bouncers, and Cheeseburger de- defeated Flamita LSG, Maxine Paler. Uh, Sledge and Will Ferrara. Any quick thoughts on the pre-show? Um, just I'm sad that SDP lost, and just because in my mind that kind of means that their management doesn't think there's a good chance they're coming back. Um, they have certainly been a highlight. The women's match was clunky at times. The ten man was clunky at times. Other than the insane finish, which is a Freaking Doomsday Canadian Destroyer, um, and just there's there's more of this in explanations in my review, but I was pretty furious at the advertising of the ten man tags a mystery, and then not giving us anyone yeah. who would be a mystery or who like felt like a a sort of person who you would want at the last show. I went through Davy Richards, Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, or even like Bobby Dempsey. You know, maybe so much fun. I don't know what he's doing. I have not heard Hagedorn mention it on his podcast. Shout out to an honorable mention. Um, but like anyone who feels like the sort of 
person who you would want to see one more time in a Ring of Honor ring. There really weren't any of those. Yeah, I agree. Like, if you're promoting pretty much a, a surprise match, you should at least bring one surprise. And I didn't think any of the, the participants were surprises. Um, and Other than maybe the idea that Max was in there with, with men. but Yeah, maybe, but even that's kind of pushing it because she's yeah. part of the, the promotion. So, yeah, like it was underwhelming, but again, I guess it was the, the hour one. I, I I wasn't surprised either, but uh, by the yeah. amount of effort put. I was surprised that the rushes and, and STP happened in the, in the hour one because I thought that could have been a really hype match for the main show because STP has been one of the most favorite acts for a lot of people. Uh, maybe that's why Ring of Honor may not even consider or hope to keep them because they're probably going to be tr- like searched by by other people by other promotions. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think the reason it happened on the pre-show was more that the these all the lacking better the air promotionally for them, you know, was rightfully so put into Shane Taylor and Kenny King and. Moses and Khan and Edwards, you know, love them there and afterthought. Also, from what I, I read, I think today, that the original plan for Final Battle was, uh, oh my God, name, uh, Vinny Marsaglia, Vincent against Jay Lethal. And so okay. none, of the, uh, high, none of the build for that, you know, mattered. And so, uh, not STP, the White just didn't have anything to do either. So you stick, you know, it, it's, it becomes a pre-show match because there was really nothing going on. And, yeah. and, I, and I was just about to bring it up. Like, it's not just STP because the Righteous, particularly Vincent, was coming off a huge feud and victory, like, not long ago against Matt Taven. Um, so... It actually is long. If I, was that the, the August show? I'm going back to check here. I think um, it was either August or September. Um, scrolling through my notes here. Um, I think it was August. Okay. But yeah, and but it doesn't feel like that long ago because it's yeah really only like two or three shows ago, not counting the TV. So yeah, it feels like a like a demotion for them. But like, well, there's a reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they thought that this match was going to get people to watch hour one and hopefully uh, yeah. buy the show. So, but anyway, let's head into the actual show. Uh, this took place at the Cheesecake Employers Insurance Arena at Baltimore, Maryland. This was November, no, December the 11th, uh, just a couple, a week ago. The opening match was Dragon Lee defeating Ray Horace, arguably one of the better matches of the whole night. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? Um, just it was great, and I was shocked Dragon Lee won because they had taken a bunch of titles off of him. But other than that, these guys are awesome. Way Horace is one of those guys who doesn't get enough love because, because like, Dragon Lee and Penta and Phoenix are, you know, they're better than him. But, like, it's it's certainly no shame to be not as good as those guys. Yeah. Yeah, there, that, there was a dive that, you know, I... I 
was one of the things that bugged me about the ten man tag was it was one of those where everyone's you know clearly trying to get in position to to get hit with the dive. This might have been a freaking shoot of a dive, and I. It's been so long. I don't remember who did the dive. You're, you're but... talking about the opener, the opening dive where they're just like crisscrossing the ropes, and Orus falls to the floor, and then without even hesitation, Dragon Lee just jumps on him. Yes, it was yeah. like my he he freaking killed that guy, and it was completely safe. You know, yeah, and look was... real like. Yeah, what I liked about the match is like the story itself was kind of simple. As you mentioned, Dragon Lee lost uh, the TV title and the tag titles, and he had been on a losing streak. But then on the other side, you have Ray Orus, who has never defeated Dragon Lee, at least in Ring of Honor. And so it's kind of like a, a really simple story of one guy's losing streak is going to change tonight, and it ended up being Dragon Lee's. Yep. So That's I don't know, pretty good opener. Stories to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I I go more than pretty good. I've been like four stars on that. I thought it was tremendous. Like, no, yeah, me, me too. I, I thought it was the like it's it's different than the other matches that I thought were best, but uh, it was easily top three for me. Uh, but we'll get to the other ones in a bit. Up next came the Ring of Honor World Television Title. This was a four corner survival match. Red Titus. Finally, in like 15 years, captured a singles title, defeating the former champion, Dalton Castle, Joe Hendry, that came back, I guess, for just one show from England. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. And and Silas Young. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of this match, uh, mostly because I don't particularly care much about Hendry and Castle right now. Red titles, I, I don't think I've cared from him since he had the Briscoes versus all that express yeah. uh, feud. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. And and Silas Young, like he ha- I don't feel he has been doing much in the last couple of months uh to like really get me excited. I didn't think he was gonna win to begin with. So I wasn't a big fan of this match. Uh what were your thoughts? I but the the work was was good, but I'm pretty much where where you were and like I I really try to care about Rhett because I you know, really liked a lot of what he'd done. You know, those those first few years, everything from his sort of main roster coming out party in the, the days of his delirious angle through, um, I guess we'll say through, was Dan, did he, yeah, through Scum. He joined Scum. Yeah. And yeah, especially the, the ANX Briscoe stuff was the, the real highlight of it. And so I really try to kill, like, I, I can be happy for him, but like, he really hasn't done anything for me. And, you know, like you said, you know, seven, eight, nine years. So yeah. happy, happy to see him get the gold watch. Really. Yeah. The dropkick finish just doesn't work though. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really pushing it. Like I can understand what you're going with, with a dropkick finish, but it's it's something. Yeah, you, you've got to do it like, I mean, either you got to have something extra like uh, uh, Roosh does the drop in the corner, or you, Aries used to do it into the turnbuckle. And I, the only time I remember him doing it as a finish was against Brian on Brian's final tour, and they had the turnbuckle post removed. But yeah. that might have been on TV. Damn it, one of the two. 
I used to know these things like off the top of my head. It's only been 12 years. Um, <laughs> but Or like Roderick Strong made it work, but I love Rhett Titus again, but like Rhett Titus is not Roderick Strong. You can't do the, the picture-perfect pretty dropkick as a finish. It's got to be the running, nailed him in the head dropkick sort of thing. Yes, I totally agree. I, I was actually going to bring up uh, Chris Savins and Chivata's like hesitation uh, kick that they do in the right. corner. Right, in the, yeah, in the, in the corner. Yeah, so, something that looks at, like they actually connected and hurt you. Like a dropkick by itself... Yes. It's it's tricky because I don't know what happens when you like have Titus and I don't know like let's say Moose who does like a way better drop kick but it just suddenly like it's not strong enough like it it's one of those things where it starts to make like yeah it, it yep. makes you wonder right there, so I agree yeah there's there's always the the theory that like well the move your finisher or something you're you're really good at it and you know you're the best at applying the hold or whatever but like. I just can't imagine that there's a secret technique to a drop kick. Like I can imagine it for a submission or for some sort of head drop move, but not for a drop kick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So bless his heart. I'm happy for red Titus. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if red Titus never had that, that run where he was masked, like a mask uh, guy would have rose. Yeah. I think I would have stayed like, I don't know, interested in him. Yes, I that think, romantic touch killed him. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the point where I... Because for the longest time, I didn't even know it was him. And so for... I mean, I just thought he just fell out of the the planet. And when he got a mask and everything, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's what you've been doing. <laughs> yeah, that's how I was. And if I remember the idea with that is everyone from Scum got fired, so he was sneaking back into the company. But yeah, he was one of the especially... And I've, I've always fought against this notion, but like the, the, the Ring of Honor didn't have characters because they absolutely did. But Rhett was one of those guys who was more than the standard indie character. He, he was a, not to use it in the derogatory, he, he was a sports entertainer. He was the more, he was larger than life in a different way than the like Samoa Joe on the champ larger than life. He was a, a character that was larger than life. Yeah, and they took that away from him essentially afterward. After that, with the romantic touch, and he never got it back. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was really hard for for him to just find something yeah. to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I totally agree. Next up, we had the Ring of Honor Pure Rules match. Josh Wood defeated Brian Johnson by TKO, uh, defending the title. Any thoughts? I assume I like this more than most. I mean good basic story of Johnson's trying every way he knows of to cheat and Woods is overcoming all of it. And it was nice. I, I really like, I don't want to give ROH credit for making Gresham and that we all knew Gresham was great, but it just, ROH were the ones who sort of really gave him the chance to run with the ball on the larger stage. Woods might be the last guy they really made. Um, and I've just loved watching him sort of progress over the past couple of years and this sort of Aw, shucks, baby face that even was naive enough that he worked as a Silas's heel partner until they split. And seeing him get the pure title so Gresham could go on to bigger, better things and then fight Johnson, who was just completely the opposite. He is the consummate loudmouth heel and is, you know, 
delusionally arrogant as opposed to Woods' humble naivete and just Johnson trying everything, you know, you're not supposed to do in Ring of Honor and especially the way they pushed it in the pure division and Woods overcoming it, I thought it was a great story to wrap up the pure title, which I doubt we'll see again. Um, in some ways, unfortunately, in some ways not. So Yeah, I I, I like the match. Um, I I don't like Brian Johnson at all. And and like I think he's like a a cheap version of Zach Gibson, of progress Zach Gibson, where he just comes out, he gets booed, and then he has a match. But I don't think he's as good as Zach Gibson. But Josh Woods completely carried this match. I like the idea that Johnson just like completely had no control over a pure rules match, and so it ended up being like pure rules and good technique uh, and defeat cheating and trickery at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Good match. Good match. I'm happy for Josh Woods to, to retain. Uh, Cause I, that, that is someone who I want to see come back. Like he's been having shows with AW, like some matches. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Woods come back. Yeah. Uh, we had, well, something actually, I forgot to mention that throughout the show, we also been having little videos from former alumni uh, send their like thoughts. We had Eddie Edwards, we had Paige, Jimmy G- Jacobs up to this point. Um, I guess we could talk about them at the end, but like, yeah, I I think know. Let's, let's talk, let's do those at the end and sort yeah. of all in one them. Yeah, exactly. Next up, we had the fight without honor, Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. I, I think this match is where we may, you and I, find uh, in separate <laughs> positions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this match was a bit of a clusterfuck. There were many, many spots where you could see, like, they're completely out of time. They're, like... Uh, there was one spot specifically where Shane Taylor is setting up the bridge on the ladders. Yeah. And, like, it's not only, like, the lowest bridge I've ever seen. It was, like, one foot away from the floor. Yeah, they should have pulled the guardrail in first. Yeah, but then uh, you also had like Kenny King just kind of wait there for Shane Taylor to set it up, and then he finally attacked. So there, there were a couple of like just clumsy, clumsy spots. Like I thought the the violence was there and the intensity, but the it was just kind of clumsy sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm in some ways a little willing to overlook that so long as it looks like the guy is selling to me, um, which is probably where we differ, but yeah, no, I, I definitely see those and stuff like the, the, the way they'd set the ladder bridge and then the, the ring attendants having to hold it so they could walk on it. Like that, I hated or them having to hold the, the ladder. Kenny King had to hold Taylor because he was starting to lose his balance too. Yeah. But that, that I can, uh, write off as well. He's grabbing his shoulder and they're trying to grapple. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Definitely the violence was there. Uh, they brought the emotion, certainly. And this is a feud that I wasn't into really at all. Um, just one of those things that they didn't follow up on it in any way forever. And like, you know, so, but I, they, they definitely got me with the, oh my God, words are escaping now. Sorry. They got me, but the, the emotion of it all in the end and the finish was great. Yeah. No, yeah, like I, I thought the, like the emotion was there in the match for sure, 
Um, something we can definitely agree, Kenny King coming out dressed like that, it looked amazing. Yes. Oh, the, the, everything they did, and they had set it up with the video pack or with the video package and promos. Yeah. Which I thought was really added to the story where Kenny is being the. You, Kenny was sort of, you have made me into the street thug I used to be. I'm, you know, all the time you wrestling fans have seen me, you know, I've been the guy in the slick suits. And you've, you've made me, I think the word he used was gutter. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was dressed like a dude ready to fight on the street. And Taylor's story a lot in Ring of Honor, and I've criticized them for overusing this in so many ways and for flip-flopping with Taylor, but has been the sort of, I'm I'm trying to be a better role model, and he's various times used, I've been for my kid or for, for the culture, as they say, and he then was, he was in his gear and was, I'm the professional fighter, and he, in the poem, I had this vibe of, you know, you don't want me to to be that guy. If I do, it's going to be dangerous. But he was trying to, through all the hate and violence, retain his dignity, whereas Kenny was happy to throw it, his dignity away for the win. And, you know, at the end, with them hugging and their Shane bringing Kenny back up, I thought it was tremendous. Yeah, and that's something to mention also. Like, after the match, we saw... Well, we saw the rest of SCP and then... I only recognized Cheeseburger. There were two guys that I didn't recognize, and they just had like a nice moment. I, that felt looking like it, at my like, notes here. Um, Eli Isom was the other one, also, and Caprice yes. Coleman too. Yes. Yeah. My, yeah so my... they had a nice little uh, a moment there in the ring uh, to celebrate yeah. together. Although my my nitpicky self was, you know. Annoyed that Wet Titus wasn't also out there, and I I get what they were doing, but like we haven't seen any real connection between Iceman and Cheeseburger and those guys. Whereas Rhett was the fourth guy in the rebellion with them, and I I would much more believe, even with the little angle they did with Rhett and Kenny on TV a bit before, to sort of set some of this up. Oh, sorry, Cheese, sorry that happened a few years ago. Sorry, I've been rewatching stuff and that they, they had said they were setting this up a lot longer ago than people realized but it was on the uh on the i'm not going to call them house shows on the live events slash dvds that you're supposed to buy and watch damn it <laughs> uh, yeah. this, so this has actually been going back for since i want to say 20 late 2019 with those guys and Rhett kenny's reactions to Rhett were part of getting Kenny where Kenny needed to be. Um, and so not having Red out there was a little, you know, disappointing for me, but just, I just love, I also love the detail that, uh, the other guys all want to check on, on Taylor and Caprice is the one who goes to check on Kenny and Caprice is, is the one who very much pushes them towards each other yeah. to make up. And that's just amazing for Caprice to get a final moment in ROH. Also, because he's been he's been very up and down with what they've given him and what they've let him do, and I've just grown to love him on commentary. And just the only thing I've been reading for the most part on the RH website are his his articles. And he, you know, good to see him get uh, 
a moment too because he he and Ian really did both deserve something and they weren't really able to give it to Ian but they found a way to give Caprice something no yeah I agree uh and, and I in my opinion Caprice definitely deserved like one thing because he's not just like commentary he was also a wrestler he's been in stables he's been like doing everything so it was nice to see them uh together like I said it was like a nice moment for for all of those guys Next up, we had the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship match. Roxy, the champion, defending and defeating Willow. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I thought this was really good. Um, I three and a half stars there. If we didn't do it. I, I was it, between four and between four and four and a quarter and four and a half on the the fight without honor, and I three and a half on the Woods Johnson match. Um, actually do these things out of 10, but it's easier to translate for people. Yeah. Um, the really good story with Willow basically having Roxy completely scouted. And like, she, there was a couple of really nifty, smart, cool counters. The sort of stuff you see in Jonathan Gresham matches yeah. that they had that Willow was doing to Roxy. Um, and so Roxy had to go think up some new stuff to do before getting Willow damaged enough to hit her finish. Um, I really liked it. You know, I'm liking Broxy the more and more I see of her. She is a tremendous talent. Um, and she's like 19. So whoever signs her, better treat her well because she can be a big star anywhere for years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I like this match a lot. Uh, I mentioned on my review that I, this was only the second Willow match that I've seen. But I really, really like Willow. She yeah. reminds me in a way to a Cole Cabana without le with with less comedy. Yes, uh, there's a, there's a fun personality there. Yeah, it's, it's a fun personality. It's a fun personality, but she can also, like you said, like she can grapple and do a, a, some really interesting counters and that. And so I, I really, really enjoyed seeing them to, uh, work together. Like I, I mentioned at the start, I coming in, I, I didn't really think Willow was like end of era type of challenger. But as a pay-per-view match, I totally enjoyed this. Yeah, I will say on that, there really wasn't anyone, maybe Angelina, who felt appropriate. Well, actually, there was. Um, and she came out after the match. But yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to save that for impact, I guess. <laughs> and I guess let's talk about that. After the match, Diana Parasso came out, and she is the current AAA Reina de Reinas champion. And hopefully, fingers crossed, she will regain the Impact World title in January the 8th. But she challenged Roxy to a winner-takes-all uh, title match. And Roxy like immediately accepted the match is pretty much set. I don't know where it's going to take place. I would imagine Impact. Yeah, that's my um, assumption as well. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I am excited for that match. I am excited. Like, like you said, like, I am excited to see what Roxy does. Like, There's news right now that she had a tryout with WWE. Hopefully she doesn't sign there because I won't be able to see her. But if she goes to... If she stays with Ring of Honor or goes to Impact or... Or even AW, like I, I will enjoy seeing her. Uh, and yeah, I think Diana Parasso versus Roxy should be really good. I think Ring of Honor likes Diana, 
and they may want her as a champion. I'm sure uh, they do. Yeah, so I, I think we may see a title change there. Well, I think so, because yeah. I don't think Roxy's going to win the AAA Reina. No, that, that's not happening. Dion's yeah. going to win with all of them. Highly doubt it. Yeah, Deonna had a really poignant line here. Like, there's the Wing of Honor women's division has been a mess of who has been pushed um, basically until now. Um, yeah. But when Deanna was one of their sort of early – I mean, early in the funny sense that they've had women in the company since the beginning, but since they really started trying to have a women's division, she was one of the early golden girls. And I don't know enough actually to speculate about what happened, but there have been several people who were the golden girl and were pushed away for various Mm -hmm. reasons. And, but Deanna was that first when they were first trying to get the division back running. And her line was that Roxy was holding uh, what has always been mine. Yeah. And that was just really poignant to me as someone who, when, after I'm done with this, I'm going to go finish Field of Hunter 2014, which I <laughs> stopped watching in the middle of, I think right before Deanna's match, uh, like three years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, she's that line just kind of stuck with me because it really felt like she was the person who should have been the first champion and then they waited forever to crown one and then forever got off a reason went with Sumi instead of uh, Kelly Klein and then all this shit happened with Kelly and the Angelina Love detours and yeah no yeah you know, like well, it, yeah. that division has been a clusterfuck since the like day one uh, yeah I feel so and, bad for them because yeah me too there just isn't enough talent out there when they have a one hour show but like and then that's the right thing for them to do is to not have a women's division but like socially you can't do that like if they had that relationship with Shimmer or Shine, if those things still even exist. You know, I thought the best thing for them would have been to say, we don't have a women's division. You know, Shimmer is our women's division. And stick the Shimmer title match on the pay-per-views if you need to. But yeah, I thought that was one of the things that hurt them over the past three, four years was the sort of need to have a women's division for social reasons. But, you know, everyone else had already snatched up most of the good talent and yeah. if they already found someone who was doing well like you know impact or we would snatch them up tasha Steele's being the one that comes to mind she was impressing me in 2019 and then bam tna grabs her and so they yeah, kind of yeah. it was a mess and you know yeah that, that was a big problem to me with with ring of honors women division because like i understood why they went with sumi sakai it was kind of like the I don't know, like going for the Joshi, uh, like the legendary Joshi, quote unquote. But at the same time, it's like half of your division is so so Angelina Love and Mandy, Mandy Leon. You know, it's Ange- like I thought Angelina's always been good, and I thought she was actually really good in the ring in ROH. She's well, she's good, but she's not. It, I don't know. It's she's it, not she's more, Cam. She, she's more character than than wrestler. One of those wrestlers. Okay, I I. I I'd play with fifty fifty. I'm probably tire on the ring than okay. on the ring than most are, but yeah, she was. She's not Mandy, and like Mandy's not terrible either. And Mandy was a great character. Like she was one of my favorite people to just have on, around in the background. Like Angela would be cutting promos, and she mentioned Kelly Klein, and Mandy would stick her finger in her mouth and make a puke face. Like she, yeah. she was a great lackey, but like you don't need that in Ring of Honor. That's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> 
that to, to me mandy was kind of like a new becky bayless where she's there she can work in the ring but that's you, she shouldn't need to right and gabe got becky out of the ring pretty quickly yeah. and found other stuff for her to do yeah exactly well uh next match we had the nostalgia match this was the team of rocky romero and violence unlimited uh being brody king homicide and tony deppen defeating the team of foundation eli isom taylor rust the returning taylor rust tracy williams and ethan carter the third ec3 this was exactly that the nostalgia match everyone was doing someone else's moves um it was like they they've started using this term a lot the party match of the night yes and i think i would agree with that yeah this was it uh it was fun like i i really enjoy seeing like the brain buster the muscle buster those things i was like oh yeah i was popping but the match was also a bit of a clusterfuck it was uh, all over the place yep uh your thoughts pretty pretty much just that that the sequence of moves like you said there was the muscle buster and all that stuff homicides lariat was in there of course homicide himself got the other cop killer um unless i'm thinking of something else completely and my brain is gone but no, yeah I, that, I, that I, was, I saw the cop killer. <laughs> mutilation in there yeah, nigel's lariat um some of the was psycho too yes yeah and it was it was meaningful and i usually don't like that sort of we're making a reference to the past, but it felt appropriate here, and I liked it. Yeah. Uh, if there was ever a show to do like this type of just like spamming moves of the past, like this is it. Like, I, I would have loved to see similar to what we were saying in the in the hour, hour one. I would have loved to see like other wrestlers in this match. Uh, yes. I don't know, like. Like Tyler Russ, I'm not exactly like super excited about him. He could have been yeah, I mean, someone else. <laughs> I, I like him a lot, but like, yeah, this felt like they sort of. I mean, they had their ideas and the whole thing with EC3 going into the match, and also, and then after it, like they, they they did a thing like teaming EC3 with those Foundation guys. Mm-hmm. We, it it served a, a storyline and in some ways, emotional purpose. But yeah, I, I agree that, man, if you could have brought in like the Shelly or Davey Richards or Aries or grab like freaking Dan Moth, you know, who they had been yep. using, this would have been the spot for them. I was actually like fantasy booking Ricky on Twitter Reyes. during the show that I wanted to see Special K run in. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what those guys are doing, but I would have loved to see Special K run in. <laughs> Because yep, they were a team that would have come in, just done a bunch of flips, right. and then leave. Exactly. And that That's would have been perfect. Well, I know one of them is still wrestling, but other than Lethal, I don't know what anybody's doing. Oh, yeah. I think Azrael and Derange are oh, still yeah. out oh. there. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine they're not. And still yeah, doing their same doing. flips and kicks. Yeah, exactly. But that would have been something that I would enjoy. Like, something like that. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, they, yeah. They like, need to find a very large black man in the suit to be their bodyguard, though. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, someone from Slugger, the... and then there was the other guy, and I just yeah. Gabe must have a connection at a, a big and tall suit store. 
to be able to find suits for these bodyguards. That was that's like what my brain goes to with that. It's like how can someone who's that large fit in a suit? <laughs> well, custom made. Yeah, but yeah, like that. I I found that would have been like so much fun just to see like more surprise returns just yeah. for spots. Like wait, or, this- or have Prince Nana manage some one of the teams in this match? Like why yeah. not? Well, that's something that we were totally missing from the show. Like, uh, those guys, Prince Nana, Julia Smokes. Like, right. why didn't oh my Julia... God, Smokes, right? Yeah, with Smokes Homicide. With Homicide. Violence, it's perfect for it. Just the whole group is perfect for him. Yeah, because even right now, like in MLW, Smokes is managing uh, Homicide and LAX. Or oh my the, God. the version yeah. of LAX they have there. So, no reason not to get him then. Ugh. Yeah, but like I don't know, like I feel like I don't know, why not? Just just bring them in. They're favors at this point. It's the, the yep. end of an era. Just just do it. I mean whatever whatever it costs to bring Brown Strowman, uh Right. Or, <laughs> just use it to bring like ten guys from the past. Yep. And I guess let's talk about Brown Strowman, because after yeah. the match, EC three Cut a promo that he keeps getting fired. <laughs> oh my god, this shit! Yeah, oh, on the show right now. It's it's Sorry. his uh, control your narrative thing that he's been doing since he got fired from the WWE, <laughs> and now he's added Brown Strowman now going as Adam Shear. I guess his real name. Oh yeah, or, or the Titan they kept calling him. Yeah. Then oh yeah, release the Titan. Yeah. And then um. What was the other guy's name from? Wesley Blake. Yeah. Maybe I hallucinated it because no one else has mentioned it. I'm dead sure there was another guy standing next to Wesley Blake. Yes, there is a third guy that in a week. have a name. Like, what's going on? It's been a week and no one has been able to identify that guy. I have no idea who it is. But, uh, yeah, there was a third guy. And they all... Pretty much, I think they only beat up Eli Adson and Tyler Rust because I think no, they, was... they got the other. They got Dak Draper and Johnson too because Johnson was the guy who oh actually, yes they they turned Johnson babyface a bit and got had him get in EC3's face yes and yeah and then they beat them up and I yeah, guess and... my guess is this was a favor to whoever they're going with next in order to get I don't know whoever I hope those guys aren't going to AEW so it's was TNA in order to get you know Jimmy Jacobs and uh, yeah. Ed on the video. But I hope yeah, they go I back know. to WWE. <laughs> oh, pl- please, yes. Like there were some people, and I feel this way about Cody that there were some people who were physically talented and good talkers, and but they need someone else to tell them what to do. Yeah, and exactly. Ethan has proven himself to be in that category. Yeah. The like, shit he comes up with on his own is atrocious and makes no sense. Yeah, like I, I don't know where it's gonna go. Uh, judging by the feud that EC3 had with Moose, and then what he's been doing on his like own YouTube, I'm not excited. Uh, so wherever he goes, I just hope it's it's not something that I need to review. <laughs> That's a job. Yeah, because I'm not excited to be honest. Uh, yeah. But I di- I will say I did think that Strowman looked really good. He's in really good shape. Uh, like I I think if again like like you said, if someone can write something good for him, he could be really interesting. Yes. Yeah. 
next up, we have what was, in my opinion, my favorite match of the night, but the best match of the night. Uh, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. The Briscoes won the titles for, I think, the 12th time, defeating the original kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, with, I guess, now formerly returning Maria as the... As what the they the queen of the... Did they say that at one point? I don't remember them using that line before. You know, it's a first lady of wrestling. Right, that was it, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I, I guess like this was more like the official returning of the trio that was really good back in the day. They even went to Japan and when Ring of Honor and New Japan were friends. Uh, I think they won the titles though, right? Yeah, they def- they wound up with the belts for a short while. From, yeah. From their few yeah. guns and gallows. Yeah, because I remember New Japan loved Maria. <laughs> yep, well. Everyone does. Yeah, yep. exactly. But yeah, like I, I thought this was the match of the night. I I just love the action. I love the story. Uh, I love the kingdom. And it, like my, the Briscoes are just like a staple pretty much now in, in, in wrestling, especially Ring of Honor. There's... I don't know, but I thought this was one of the best Briscoe's matches that I've seen in years. What would you think? Um, so I like this a little less than the fight with Adon. And my guess is if I went back and we watched this, I would like it more than I probably should. Um, but yeah, I thought this was tremendous. Um, like, I was never as high on the kingdom as a lot of people. I like Taven a lot individually, and I like Bennett a lot individually. I, I just didn't like the act. There were fine lackeys for Cole, but like it wasn't particularly inspired. Um, I much more like the Bennett with Maria managing him as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I used to could stand his act, but like as champion, he just grew on me doing his stuff. And yeah, this it was Bennett this year is one of those guys who the past couple months have been really good for him. Just between the uh, the match with. Uh, Gresham for the pure title and then this like because Bennett was good but he was never the sort of really work rate guy and he's he's shown that he can do a lot of that yeah that and I will this is probably going uh, this is going back yeah probably about a year now but even the match with Drake Maverick in the on 205 Live like Bennett can can go in I think people got caught up in his original gimmick in ROH, which is he was the box office guy, and he he was the sports entertainer. He he was a WWE-bound guy. Right. And he was so good and just given one more great Briscoe's match. And with a lot of the titles on the show, there was definitely the sort of feeling you wanted the titles on someone who, obviously someone who would come back, but... Artistically, emotionally, you kind of wanted to see the belts wind up on someone who, if this is the last show, you're happy for them to have the belts at the end. And like, I don't know what the hell goes on with, you know, afterwards, but as far as I'm concerned, those belts should live on the Briscoe's mantles. Like, those dudes have earned them. They made those things, you know, you know, the first reign was, what, September or three? And, yeah. you know, and every time we've had a, a big, other than Kings of Wrestling, we've had, had a big sort of, every time they need to really refresh the belts with a big title reign, what you do, you go to the Briscoes. Anytime there was just some random, you needed some baby face to 
make some new heels, what do you do? You go to the Briscoes. Every time you need someone to have the belts and feel like it's a big, good, a feel-good moment for the company, you go to the Briscoes, and that's what they did here. And this was just wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, it kind of felt like a little bit of Alpha and Omega, just because those guys were well. Jay was in the first show. Mark came in like a couple of shows later. Mark, Mark but, was uh, on the first show. He he was not old enough to wrestle in the state of Pennsylvania, well, yeah. as we were repeatedly <laughs> told. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it kind of felt like like they say like from day one, and then the final day they win the titles, and yeah. whether they retire with those titles and and go to another promotion or not, like I think it was like the right call. And and I really like that it was the OGK uh, getting the match because I don't know like looking at the rest of the teams like that Ring of Honor has had this year I I didn't really think many of them were were were, were kind of like gonna be like that Willow situation where like I don't think you're like really end of an era type of of challenge. Totally agree. Yeah. So I, I to me it's like Kingdom versus Briscoes two big teams like. And they they went all out. The, I love the the ending sequence with like three J drillers and yeah uh, the Holy Mary and like back and forward. Like I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And afterwards, the Briscoes got the most generic promo. We're not done, and we yep. want to take challenge. And who will come out? But FTR, um, Dax Howard, and and Wilder. And they got into a brawl. And in my opinion, FDR won the brawl because they controlled yep. the ring at the end. The Briscoes were kind of like pulled outside. Yep. And I guess, I don't know where, again, I don't know where this is going to happen. Uh, at I this can't point, imagine I was... it's not AEW. They, they'd be, Tony would be crazy to let someone else have that particular match. He's got yeah. control of the R and that's, that's just the thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at this point, I was making jokes that... Like Diana Parasso is a triple A Reina Reynas, FTR are the triple A tag champions. So I was like, I don't know if this is a forbidden door or it's just Ring of Honor and Triple A working together. So maybe we Which see is, like oh, I didn't even think of that. The Ring of Honor and Triple A working together. Yeah. Our ROH has been CMLL's buddies. And yeah. we know how CMLL and Triple A are more than any other promotions, really. Yeah, but yeah. but it's weird because, like right now, CMLL is pretty much like blocking people from working shows where Bandido is a champ. Oh, yeah, well, they they well, Bandido so works with everybody. Yeah, so I, I think that relation may also be kind of done. Uh, the CMLL actually wait, they did announce that the CMLL announced it, I think early in the year that they were just not gonna work with Ring of Honor, and I think that's when well, Bandido. That yeah, but uh. Oh, that's there was the whole thing, right? With the the Bruce and Dragon Lee or starting yeah. something, yeah, exactly. Right, and everyone who you would sort of think vaguely was working and wanted those guys, New Japan and AEW switched to the the new promotion, which I don't think it ever actually happened. But like, yeah, CMLL seems to have decided people weren't worth working with. Yeah, no, I mean they're they're a mess too. But uh, yeah, at this point, I was like. I was expecting, oh, we're going to get, like, Bikingo versus Gresham. And maybe, I mean, maybe That'd they considered, awesome. maybe they, at one point they did consider, like, hey, maybe we can get uh, Bandido versus Bikingo or something. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so we are likely getting FTR versus Briscoes. I I actually expected the Briscoes to show up on on uh, Winter's Coming, but they didn't. Yeah. So I don't know. They they may be building that matchup for what's gonna be that AW show with the title? Battle Battle of the Belts, which Yes. Yeah, that that sounds both, just perfect. Both teams for... do have belts, so seems yeah, appropriate. Exactly. And maybe they'll do a, a title versus title thingy. I don't know if AW is going to sign the Briscoes. I would imagine that Ring of Honor is going to... Like, if there's a team you're going to like go out of your way to, to keep, it's going to be the Briscoes. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Although, and granted, they might start running house shows. But based on what the Briscoes have sort of indicated that they wanted, which is not to be on the road sort of full-time, that AEW's current schedule seems really perfect for them. You fly in, you know, one day a week you're working, maybe second if it's a pay-per-view. That seems pretty perfect for them. It seems like a, a heck of a fit. Yeah, it, it's not a bad schedule. And, I mean, if you look at, at AEW, you don't work every week. Sometimes you take right. two weeks off. Yeah. Well, it's time for the main event. The Ring of Honor world title. They, they brought out the the original uh, belt and it was Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal Lethal replacing Bandido who got COVID like for the 15th time now. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Like I, well, I remember he, there was another show that he was going to be in like at triple a and he also got COVID. And so he's had to change shows because he keeps getting COVID. <laughs> So, dude, you, like, you literally wear a mask for your job. Just wear it for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Jonathan Gresham defeated Jay Lethal in about 15 minutes. It was yeah. a really good match. Um, our, like, I think a lot of people maybe between this and Dragon Lee's match as one of like, the best matches, but they're so different that it's hard to compare them. This was... Like, it wasn't the pure title match that they had a couple of months ago, but it felt kind of similar with just less rules. Yeah, it was slower. It was the first, it was so it was that sort of world title match pace that you know, RH used to love when Danielson was going 30 with people, except that then they only got 15 minutes because. In all these years, Delirious still has not learned how to time out a fucking pay per view. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just it felt it was it was great, but it felt like something that was going to be special and got cut off 10 minutes too early. Yeah, I, when there's a point in the match where the roster were pretty much told, hey, go out and, and I hated that switch. so freaking much. It's so corny. It, it felt super forced the way they did it. Yep. And at that point, I was like, I think we're headed to the finish, and it's going to be yep. super shitty if the people just come out for the finish. Like, they need to go now, like, 10 more minutes. But obviously, yep. they didn't. And I, I made the comparison because you you watched the, the Josh Alexander and TJP match, the Ironman match from Impact, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that match, what they did is, like, you, you have your match, and then, like, about the 30-minute uh, point, you suddenly see Petey Williams, Chris Saban, and someone else just like Eddie, hanging. Right. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think Eddie with Alicia was like, or like yeah. around the, the crowd. Yeah, and then people you started see, like, trickling in, and it was natural. It wasn't. Yeah, 
forced. And, the, and but the, like first is like to see all the baby faces. Yeah. And and commentary saying like like I think the the televisions in the back are full and people are starting to come out. But then you start to see the heels come out and you're like you'll see like oh man like I think everyone's really interested in this match. And I thought that was like supernatural. And but like in this one like you said like everyone just came out super forced. Uh and then they just do like the the PWG like stomping on the ring thing, and yeah, it was <laughs> that, that felt like super underwhelming in my opinion too. But yeah, that was the show. Uh, after the show, after the match, uh, I thought it was a uh, pretty shitty that we didn't get a promo from the champion. But so he did have... cut one. Apparently, it was off the air because again, Delirious can't time a promo. Yeah, it's exactly. On the yeah, and I think he called out like Danielson and Punk by by with yeah, cryptic which, names. Oh and my I, god, Gresham and Danielson, like that That's coming. I don't know where I or when, can't so imagine coming. that that won't be the best match I've ever seen in my life ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who's going to like put up the money. AEW. Like, yeah, most likely. No, there's no way Gresham's not going to AEW. Tony will let him run his own new promotion, which also has a really cool scheme in the first card. He's, he's tight with Lethal. He is the sort of guy that... He's a better version of half the guys they've been bringing in recently anyway. The Wheelie Yudas and Daniel Garcias and... Yeah. They, they, oh, he's a, a more uh, seasoned version seasoned. of those guys. But he's also just more fluid, and I love Garcia. But yeah, he's, he's going to AEW. I just can't see him not. Yeah, I, I mean, both those matches should be really good. Punk versus Gresham, I don't know as much, but like for sure, Danielson versus Gresham is right now one of the current three matches, I think, for most people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they showed that promo in one of the episodes because there were like two more episodes left on the, on the TV schedule. Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched it. Yeah, I'm, but I'm mentally done. Yeah, but hopefully they did because like it is your champion. It is their, his first win. And especially in ROH, where there had always been the tradition, um, and Delirious broke this at one point because Delirious hates tradition and Ring of Honor and all those good things, where after someone, I forget, maybe Joe might have been the first one, but when someone wins the world title, the next show opens with that person cutting a promo. Yeah. And this, this, especially if they showed it on TV, would have fulfilled that. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, so hopefully they, they did show it. I have noticed that they're showing more like one of those little messages on their Twitter because I saw one with Cody. Uh, so I, oh, okay. I I think they have been getting more oh, stuff too. I, I will stay away from that one because yeah. <laughs> well, probably punch a wall if I watch it. Yeah, I, I saw one with Cody, but in the, in the interview that we're going to talk about in a little bit, Joe Koff did mention that uh, the Fallen Angel, Chris Daniels, also did one. So I'm guessing and they didn't more play people. that one, but they played Adam Page with the mad bullshit from the Young Bucks. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. infuriating. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about those messages. Uh, the full list is Eddie Edwards, Adam Page, Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, we had Adam Cole. We had the Young Bucks. Uh, we had Punk and Brian Danielson. And I think that's the full list. Yeah, that's that's everyone that was in the yeah. in the show. I thought I thought the messages were nice. 
I thought the name selected made sense in a way, but at the same time, I kind of felt like, well, at first I felt bad like for guys like like Joe and Nigel, Nigel uh, maybe Kevin Steen and Generico who Tyler I Black. think. Yeah, even if they wanted to, they were not going to be able to. Yeah. Uh, but and some of them were putting stuff on Twitter, apparently. Yeah, because I think a bunch of those guys, like, they they share their memories of, of their own things. Because it is Ring of Honor. And I think, I don't think anyone has left Ring of Honor hating Ring of Honor. I think everyone loves Ring of Honor. Um, uh, Ke- Kelly Klein and well, I yeah, assume Whitmer. Yeah, well, I think that, I think they possibly, hate people. Based, based on what I heard, uh, based on the, their attitude, the Bucks might well have been on that list too. Yeah. Okay, that was one that I actually pointed out. Like, I'm surprised. Like, of course they got the Bucks, the team that they like Ring of Honor wouldn't bring in for the longest time because they were East Coasters. But yeah. as soon as like, as soon as they got popular, obviously they they had to bring them in. But yeah, like I don't know, like you could have had Chris Hero, you could have had David Richards. Yeah, I think Hero uh, might actually still be under WWE contract, also. Oh, huh, maybe I don't know. That, uh, that I wouldn't know. Yeah, Davey, Aries, Alex. Well, I, <laughs> I did say like I don't know if you want to contact like Loki and Aries at this point. Right. Not, you know what? I bet you Loki would have said something nice. Yeah, yeah. Aries maybe so. not, but Loki <laughs> I think would have. Yeah, but I don't know. Like there was a like those type of guys that I would have loved to see more videos of. Uh, yeah, maybe shorter videos, just saying like, "Hey, thank you, Ring of Honor, and whatever." But like, a little... uh, I know. I think you that you needed the time for the messages to be. Yeah. Yeah, I felt. So, I don't yeah. know. Like, we'll keep. Let's keep track of Twitter and see. Uh, see what names come up because I, I would love to see a couple of those names there. Uh, but yeah, that was the whole show. The the end of an era. Yep. Like we said in the beginning, I think uh, it was a good show that mixed up, like that closed out the chapter of Ring of Honor. But at the same time, I don't know. Like it, it can set up a couple of things going forward, wherever that happens. And if like as much as Joe Coff says, like no, this is not the end. We're going back. Uh, yeah. You, you do have to like kind of like look back and just remember Ring of Honor for, for what it's been up to now because we have no idea what's, what's going to come in. And as we finish the conversation and review of Final Battle, End of an Era, uh, we are going to leave it there, but we are going to be coming back for a part two of this conversation with Red. Uh, we kind of kept talking about our, our memories of Ring of Honor and, and the future of Ring of Honor. And so that is going to be coming up in a part two of this podcast. It's going to be coming up tomorrow. So stay tuned and thank you for being here. Remember, you can find us on Twitter as DW Revolution. You can go to TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find both me and Red's written uh, reviews, uh, specifically of Final Battle, if you're looking for it. Uh, and yeah, you, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, leave a like, a subscription. Uh, uh, I think Spotify is going to start adding uh, ranking like stars. So leave a five star. That would really, really help the podcast. 
this is kind of like uh, me trying to get back into the podcast. Uh, I took December and November off because uh, life was just getting a little bit complicated. And so I'm trying to just figure the podcast back into my weekly schedule, which this is not bad, but there's a, a lot of wrestling that needs to be watched for, for this podcast. And that's where it got really tough for me. But, well, let's see how 2022 pairs up. But anyway, for now, uh, come back tomorrow for part two of this Ring of Honor conversation. So without further ado, adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>